by group conscious. This meeting does not have an evidence requirement for the speaker. Please welcome Scott, today's speaker, who will share his, uh, his, her, his experience, strength, and hope about relapse and recovery for 15 minutes. Hello, everybody. My name is Scott, and I am a compulsive reader. Hi, Scott. Hi. I am really grateful to be here. I'm going to pass around some photos. Um, the Wednesday version of this meeting next door was my longtime home meeting. And um, I still miss the meeting format, I still miss the people, and I still miss my old Wednesday night ritual. But as an old sponsor said at the Century meeting a long time ago, unfortunately, 12-step recovery does work. And a huge reason why that I moved out of San Francisco 15 months ago is because 12-step recovery does work. So um, that's nice to be here and see so many familiar faces. Um, so I was at this um, quarterly staff meeting on Thursday morning. Um, I work for a California state agency, and we have this partnership with Oakland Unified School District. And um, at this quarterly meeting, there are five of us from our state agency, and there are four people from the Oakland Unified School District. And so at the beginning of the meeting, the facilitator of the meeting hands out some documents with statistics on it, essentially, to talk about this program we partner with them on. And... Um, you know, she gives us an opportunity to read through the numbers, and she says, does anyone have any outstanding questions? And the room is quiet, and I'm kind of looking around, and people are kind of looking down. I said, yeah, I have a question. Why is the sky blue? And, you know, some people in the room started laughing out loud, and the facilitator looks at me with a smile and says, you mean nobody took care of that question for you when you were younger? And I said, nope, not a single person. I went to public school. And what followed was this funny combination of a huge groan and a bunch of laughter, too. But anyway, life is good. Life is good. Life is God. I'm really grateful that today I now live in the solution way more times than not. I'm really grateful that I now have a loving higher power to which I connect on a daily basis during my waking hours. Um, I'm really grateful that I now have enough humility to call my higher power God because there's a period there where... I felt really angry because I grew up you know, in a religious situation that was incredibly uncomfortable for me. So um, uh, speaking of God, I'm currently working with two sponsees on a full-time basis. And um, one of the things I tell my sponsees all the time, especially when they're struggling, is that you know, it is my job as a sponsor to help you, know, you find God. And what that usually means is that either um, tweaking meeting attendance or like changing up meetings that they go to regularly, or it means tweaking um, their plan of eating. So I'm someone who struggled uh, seven years in relapse before this current stretch of nine and a half years of abstinence. And the biggest thing that helped me was to essentially overhaul my plan of eating. Um, but I'll get to that in a, in a second. Um, uh, you know, I recently started doing something called a God log. It's something I created. It's a daily checklist. And on this checklist, like from left to right, there's the date. And then there's written 10th step. And there's written gratitude list. There's meditation. There's action plan. And if I exercise that day, I circle the date. And these are the things I want to do daily to help me stay connected to my concept of a higher power. So this is not a part of my God log, but the, the thing I've been doing in addition to the God log is I've been doing the questions in the For Today workbook. So I was thinking about one sponsor in particular when I came across 
January 28th. Um, I'm just going to read you the question real quick, and I'll read you my answer to that question as well. So for January 28th, the question is, how has sustained abstinence helped me to develop self-trust? And here's my answer. Sustained abstinence has allowed me to have a higher power to which I could connect on a daily basis during my waking hours. God, my higher power, the solution to my problems, the step two to all my step ones, has allowed me, a shy, fear-ridden individual, without courage or self-esteem, to blossom into a grown, responsible, productive, and confident man who looks you in the eye when he's messed up or when you've messed up. In addition to an HP that works, sustained abstinence has given me clarity and knowledge of the truth. Self-trust is a manifestation of God, clarity, and knowledge of the truth. So, you know, we have this three-legged um, metaphor that we use, three-legged stool metaphor we use in OA, right? Physical recovery, emotional recovery, and spiritual recovery, which is what those three legs of the stool are about. In that order, in my opinion, they're in, or- in that order. And, uh, you know, what I get from physical recovery is clarity. What I get from emotional recovery is hope and knowledge of the truth. And what I get from spiritual recovery is a higher power that allows me to take certain actions in my life that make my life better, which in turn connects me even on a deeper level level with that same higher power. It's a very powerful thing that bounces off of each other. But getting started with that was incredibly difficult for me, and that goes back to my time in relapse. Um, So very quickly, what I was like, what happened, what I'm like now in terms of my life, what I was like was I was morbidly obese. My highest known weight was 315 pounds. What happened was, in the early part of 2001, at age 28, I found OA. And what I'm like now is I am no longer morbidly obese. I have a really normal, sane life, and my thinking is, you know, is mostly normal. And you know, I just feel like a normal person for the first time in my life. But in terms of what I was like, what happened, and what I'm like now, um, as far as my time in OA, the story is quite different. So what I was like was, I came into my first meeting at age 28, weighing 315 pounds, and I got abstinent pretty quickly. I got a sponsor right away. And when it didn't work out with him, I got a second sponsor right away. I started reading the OA and AA literature right away. I went to four meetings weekly right away. I started um, writing for the first time in my life, you know, how I felt. I felt depressed because of such and such. For the first time, I started doing that. And I had a plan of eating early on that I followed right away. So um, that led to some early physical success. In my first month of abstinence, I lost 27 pounds. During my second month of abstinence, I lost another 13 pounds. And in that second month of abstinence, my blood pressure normalized for the first time in a while. To the point where my doctor at the time felt comfortable taking me off of my high blood pressure medication, right? By the time month nine rolled around, I, you know, I went on my first date ever. I kissed my first woman on the lips ever. I had sex for the first time. I was in my first romantic relationship and things just, you know, some things felt like they were moving, moving forward in my life. And, um, but the, on the flip side of that, you know, I worked at, you know, in retrospect, a very selfish program. 
Because even though I had some of the physical recovery, even though I was getting maybe some emotional recovery through dating and things for the first time, you know, I still continued to not sponsor anyone. I still continued to not speak at meetings like this. I, I never, I just, you know, turned down requests for that. And, um, you know, slowly I started getting back into the food, you know, um, whereas in that first nine months, maybe the first 12 months, I never had seconds. By the time the end of that, you know, toward the end of that first year of abstinence, I was starting to have seconds on occasion and just kind of messing around with the food a little bit. Less communication with my sponsor at the time. And um, media attendance was starting to go down. I wasn't doing honest and thorough step work as much. So you see the beginnings of me falling into relapse. So that initial abstinence lasted about two years, okay? And, uh, you know, at the end of two years, you know, same old thing, less contact with my sponsor, less honest and thorough step work, and just kind of generally messing around with the food. Um, by the time um, year five in, in, the, in the fellowship, not of abstinence, but in the fellowship, year five or six, um, you know, I'd started getting some gifts, some other gifts of recovery. I don't know how. I think it's a lot of self-will, looking back, a lot of self-will in my um, time here, especially early on. I got my first Class C driver's license, and I got my first vehicle, and I started going back to school. So I went to City College in San Francisco. I took night courses because I couldn't get up in the morning. And, um, you know, several nights a week after class, I would drive down the to the Lucky on Slope Boulevard, and I would get these Caesar salads. Now, for the thousandth time, I was trying to not eat flour, so I'd pick out the croutons, right, from the salad, right? So in step three of the AA Big Book, more about alcoholism, we meet Jim, the alcoholic, who thinks he could drink whiskey if he mix, mixes it with milk, I guess, right? So uh, this is kind of my version of that story. So one day, I didn't pick one out. I thought, you know, it's harmless. Just, just eat it. And then one time I left three croutons in the salad and I thought, it's just harmless. Just, just go ahead. And, you know, before I knew it, I was no longer picking any croutons out of the salad. I was eating the whole thing. Now, by that point, I was already in relapse. But the big difference was before that experience, the periods of relapse were a lot smaller, and the periods of abstinence were a lot longer. You know, months at a time of abstinence, then I'd slip back. But after the crouton and the salad experience, the, it was the opposite. The periods of, of um, abstinence were shorter, and the periods of relapse were, were longer. Um, uh, by the time, jeez, uh, this was, I think, so my period of relapse lasted seven years. And... Uh, in about year five or six of that time in relapse, I, I, I just had enough. And I decided to come out about being in a relapse. You know, I found myself one day just feeling defeated. I had regained 44 of the initial 89 pounds I'd lost. I went to the, the, the Thursday night meeting on 19th and Judah, which is still there, I believe. They just had a meeting room change or something, but they're still there. And I shared that I have been in a relapse for a long time. And then um, my, my relapse period did not end that night. It didn't end for about another year. But um, at the end of seven years, I finally d 
decided to ask, to ask two guys that I respected the hell out of if, if either one was available to sponsor me. One said, no, I didn't have enough time. He didn't have enough time. The other one said, sure, why not? So um, in June of 2010, he and I started working together. And uh, so that's kind of what I was like as far as my time in LA. What happened was he got me abstinent. On July 1st, 2010, I celebrated one day off wheat, off corn products, off most potato products, and off rice products. I don't know how he got me to get off of those ingredients, but looking back, I think I just, I was afraid of him. So that was a healthy use of fear, and um, he had this way of kind of getting on you with love, if that makes sense. I'm always someone who benefited from that kind of kick in the butt kind of thing, not literal kick in the butt. I've had that too. It worked against me, not with sponsors, but with, with family members, but that really worked for me. So what happened was is I gave up those four ingredients, and at the same time, on July 1st, 2010, I was celebrating day one of this current back-to-back abstinence, which is about uh, nine and a half years now. So um, what I'm like now is, uh, geez, uh, my my life has has gotten bigger and better. Um, Unfortunately, Father Time does not care that my life has gotten bigger and better. I'm still only given 24 hours in a day. And one of my biggest struggles these days is time management. But in order to kind of get over a problem, I have to be able to identify the problem, right, which I've done. And my experience is that if I know what the problem is, I know what the solution is. It's just the opposite of the problem or moving toward the opposite of the problem. My struggle, once again, is the step three piece. This is where I take actions to hopefully resolve my problem. So it's like early abstinence for me. I have a few weeks where I'm good with time management, and I slip back for a month. And a couple days, on, I mean, it's just like abstinence. It's amazing how similar all these things are. But, um, you know, I talked about my higher power a lot earlier. And, uh, you know, I'm just really grateful that today, you know, I, you know, this is not a judgment for those who follow football, but today is the Super Bowl. And, you know, once upon a time, I would be in my room alone watching the Super Bowl that ultimately meant nothing in the grand scheme of things, surrounded by man-made junk food and man-made junk beverages. And I'm not doing that today because, A, I'm no longer a sports fan. I haven't been for about five years. But, B, I got more important things to do. At 5 o'clock today, I'm taking a sponsee call. And then Mrs. Wright and I are going to be checking out a house in Pinole that we're interested in buying. So this is one thing that recovery has given me is I don't need the TV and food anymore. What I need is to buy a house and to have my finances in order so I can buy that house. And I need to be a team player with Mrs. Wright so so that I know that we're on the same page. That means having some humility and stepping back and I'm not God. And um, but it also means having some healthy boundaries, too. Whatever she says, it does not always go. I have no problem saying no to Mrs. Wright. But I also have no problem saying, you know what, let's think about that. Let me think about that for a minute. So in a nutshell, that is what I'm like today. Um, I want to wrap up with one thing, one last thing. Um, And I, I know I'm out here, but just one last thing quickly is, up until six days ago, I had the pleasure of having my car windows bashed in in two Bay Area cities, Oakland and San Francisco. Six days ago, I can now add Albany, California to that list. And my backpack was stolen. And in that backpack, 
was $300 headphones, which are replaceable. In that backpack were two Christmas gifts from Mrs. Wright, which are actually replaceable. Um, but also in that backpack was my original AA 12 and 12 with all my notes in it as a newcomer. Gone. That is not replaceable. But I did something beginning that night that I learned here in OA. Even though I didn't mean it, I started praying for the thief or the thieves. I don't know who's, who did it. And within about three days, I was done with it. I actually moved on from it. I am not condoning that kind of behavior. That's a whole other uh, story. But I was able to move on. I've stolen before. I know how desperate one has to be to do such a thing. I used to be that person. So I kind of get why they did what they needed to do in that moment. You know, I've been that person. Uh, That's it. I'm done. Nice to be here. Thank you. Thank you.